The following episode of America the Podcast contains depictions of violence, including sounds of gunfire, cannon fire, and gore. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy the show. This episode of America the Podcast is brought to you by Real American Gerrymandering. Hey there, friend. You look glum. Are you a crooked congressperson tired of losing elections to a candidate with values and morals? Do you wish you could perpetually hold your political position in power without lifting a finger to campaign? Are lobbyists refusing to work with you simply because you're extremely unlikable? Well, have I got a solution for you! Introducing Real American Gerrymandering. With Real American Gerrymandering, you can carve out your little piece of the political pie by ensuring the cattle, I mean the citizens, who vote along party lines are nested safe and sound in a congressional district designed to ensure your victory. Yes, Real American Gerrymandering has been the go-to tactic for election triumph for both Democrats and Republicans since the phrase was coined back in good old 1812. Don't believe me? Why, just ask any of the 435 success stories currently serving as your congressperson. Speaking of, politicians absolutely love it when their constituents call them directly. So if you'd like to reach your representative over the phone to discuss how your district has been gerrymandered, you can give them a call at the congressional line anytime at 202-255-3121. That's 202-255-3121 to speak with your congressional representative about how much you love Real American Gerrymandering. That's Real American Gerrymandering, available wherever freedom is sold. Does the traitor to the crown have any final words? I do. May all of America know that I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. Very well. By order of the crown of King George, I commit you, Mr. Nathan Hale, to death by hanging for the acts of treason and espionage against the British Empire. May God have mercy on your soul. God damn it, dude! How could you let Nathan go down like that? It wasn't my fault, and he's the one who told me to run as it is. I didn't mean to trip over that log, let alone trip Nathan along with me. He knew the risks of our mission and told me to leave him behind. You could have gone back for him. And what? Get captured and hanged alongside Nate? This was after your transfiguration into the embodiment of America. Weren't you immortal at this point? Well, yes, but I wasn't fully aware of the extent of my abilities until around 1804, when Thomas Jefferson pointed out that I had stopped aging. I had no idea I couldn't die, and therefore I wouldn't take the risk. I was one of America's top spies during the Revolution and for decades after, during which time I unfortunately lost many people in the line of duty. People die in war, Timothy. Nathan was one of the best spies I ever had the privilege of knowing, and I mourn his loss to this day. But, alas, he still became a martyr and a symbol for our people to press on and push back against the British, especially during a time when we were getting our derrieres handed to us left and right. Fair enough, but 
That was rough to watch, dude. Oh, don't give me that. You've seen people die multiple times this season. Not to mention all the violent cartoons and movies you watch. Yeah, but this was, like, fucked up. I don't know. There's already so much danger and violence in the world in our time. I, I just need a break from it. It was already bad enough having to defend myself from those creatures in the void of time for... Ugh, God knows how long. I don't even know how many I had to kill to survive for as long as I did. Thanks for doing what you did to get me out of there, by the way. You are very welcome, and again, my apologies for the issues with my vaguely magical slash sci-fi abilities. My powers actually did a kind of reset shortly after you disappeared into the void. Still not entirely sure what happened, but uh, hopefully it won't cause any further problems. Trying to produce the search for Tim transmissions was harder than I thought. I would be lost without you, Timothy. Aw, thanks, man. Well, when I mean lost, I mean I have no idea how any of this audio stuff works. I left all of that to Jonathan in your absence. And, side note, good riddance to that scumbag Jonathan. Enjoy working for NPR, that communist rag. Anyways, now that you're back, you can take care of getting my very important words out to the masses. When it comes to creating audio, unless it's a hand-cranked phonograph, I'm not entirely sure what to do. Right. Well, thanks, I guess. Uh, I'm glad to be back. But as I was saying, witnessing and living through all of this violence is kind of weighing on me. Aren't there any stories from the revolution that don't involve people dying? Well, as this was a war, you won't find too many stories like that. However, I would be glad to tell you a story that involved myself as well as multiple future presidents and no one of importance dies. Okay, cool. I would love to hear that story. And hear it you shall, tonight on America the Podcast! Ah, it's good to be back! Hello, America! It's America the Podcast! Our story begins December 23rd, 1776, shortly after General George Washington's forces had arrived near the banks of the Delaware River, opposite Trenton, New Jersey. The British Army, with the help of Hessian, aka German mercenaries, had taken over Trenton as well as the rest of the New Jersey colony and forced the Continental Congress to retreat to Baltimore. Since the signing of the Declaration, I had been secretly appointed one of America's spymasters and was helping various factions of the army fight British forces. I eventually found myself stationed with General Washington's troops as one of his intelligence officers. Earlier in the month, I had advised General Washington to send one of my best spies into Trenton to gather information, a man named John Honeyman, whom I had served with at the Battle of the Plains of Abraham back during the Seven Years' War. A good man and a hell of an American, Honeyman. Since John had served under the crown, he had no trouble setting himself up as a Tory to earn the Hessians' trust. How is the war going at this point? Well, General Washington, and by extension the entire Continental Army, had been suffering defeat after defeat. The Redcoats outnumbered us and had better supplies like, well, food and water and guns. As for our army, we were lacking a bit when it came to having things that help one win a war. Things like food and water and guns. With this in mind, General Washington had regularly ordered his men to retreat to reduce casualties. There was also the looming militia contract issue. What kind of issue? Well, by the end of the year, the service contracts for a large portion of the militia would come to an end, which threatened to dissolve the entire army altogether. Damn, we were that close to losing the war? Indeed. 
Although our men had been inspired by our Declaration of Independence, they still needed to do things like eat and not die of frostbite. Also, their families needed money which Congress could not provide through taxation. That's bullshit. I beg your insignificant pardon. You all, especially you in particular, could have easily used chunks of your individual fortunes to fund this war that you all started to protect your own financial interests. Who told you this war was started to protect the financial interests of me and my rich friends? You did! Well, look who's paying attention to what I'm saying all of the sudden. It's not... Uh, screw you. Y'all could have paid the soldiers out of y'all's own pockets. Oh, Timmy, Timmy, Timmy. Your generation thinks they know everything. While, yes, we could have used our wealth in an emergency, by doing so, we would have ended up becoming an oligarchy. And no one wants that, do they? We live in an oligarchy now. Ah, figured that out, did you? Yeah. <sighs> Whatever. So you were saying your soldiers were starving because of the war you started? A bleak description, but yes. Since morale was low in both the colonies and the army itself, we needed inspiration and a decisive victory sooner rather than later. It was a cold evening, and you could feel the hopelessness in the air. Seeing the low morale in the troops, I stood and began reading an advanced copy of the newest pamphlet from our friend and a man who is partially responsible for getting you out of the void of time. You mean? Yes, a pamphlet written by the one and only Thomas Paine! Thomas Paine! These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier in the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of his country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. <coughs> wow, those really are inspiring words. Yes, and I thought I could try and take credit for them. You know, as revenge for stealing common sense from me. But, alas, Tom had already published the American Crisis a few days prior. As for our men, Seeing that they now had a bit more hope in their eyes, General Washington knew we needed to ride this wave of inspiration, so he called all of his superior officers into his tent to discuss the possibility of taking Trenton. These ideas are terrible! None of you have given me a viable battle plan! All of you, get out! Thebodius, you have something to say? Sir, I believe we can make use of our spy network. Hmm. Go on. The spy you ordered me to send in? He's built a strong rapport with the Hessians these last few weeks as a Tory and a bartender. I request permission for you to let me call him back to deliver any new intelligence. Hmm. We would then reveal the identity of a good spy. Not to worry, General. I'll have him sneak in, get fake caught, and then once he delivers the information, I will covertly help him escape the camp to keep his cover secure. Very good. Send for him and let's hear what this spy has to say. After some time, Honeyman was brought to our camp and let us know the things he had heard regarding the Hessian forces. He was able to convince the Hessians that the American forces outside New Jersey were weary, underfed, and no threat at the moment. Which they were! Most of you were borderline dead! Yes, yes. While the first two things were indeed true, the last was not. 
Weary and hungry as we all might have been, there was still fight left in us, even if I and General Washington were the only ones who saw said fight. After relaying the information, I had Honeyman taken to a tent guarded by militiamen so as to not blow his cover. I then arranged for a distraction to take place so that Honeyman could escape. What kind of distraction? Oh, I started a fire. Weren't you afraid of burning down the camp? Eh, it was cold and we needed the warmth. Plus, I love fire. I love starting fires. I love <laughs> shouting the word fire in public places. I once even shouted fire while I was walking drunk through an alley in Boston. Uh, good times. Yeah, we know. And because of that, you caused the Boston Massacre. I don't think that's true. Yes, it is. We all heard it on this show. You literally transported us back in time to 1770 to witness the Boston Massacre on the first episode of this current season. Who is this we you keep referring to? Me and the audience listening. Holy shit, you're letting people listen to this? Of course! You made me sign a billion-year contract to produce and distribute your show and any other audio or video you record. Jesus Christ! Well, by doing that, literally all of the millions of people listening to my very important show are now accomplices to so many different crimes. I don't think that's how that works, or that your listenership is in the millions. Oh, it better be. The second I take time to learn how to use a computer and check the analytics of this show... Uh, it's analytics, and you know that. Whatever. If I find out there aren't hundreds of trillions of people listening to this show, I will feed you to Cerberus. Like the three-headed dog from Greek mythology? Yep, but he's not a myth, and he's hungry for hippie meat. So watch yourself. Uh, got it. Now... Where was I? Uh, you just helped Honeyman get away. Ah, uh, yes. While Honeyman escaped back to Trenton, General Washington called together his war council to go over the plan. Gentlemen, thank you for coming. We just received intelligence from our man inside Trenton. My spy master, Thebediah Stard, went to great lengths to gather this information. Mr. Stard, if you please. Thank you, General. Gentlemen, the Hessian troops are more prepared and better trained than our men. I'm sure this is no shock to you, but it is worth bringing up considering our current condition. But more so, because they do not see us as a threat, at least at the moment. Are you going to tell us something useful, or continue to diminish our militia? Patience, Mr. Hamilton, I'm getting to it. It is my belief and the belief of my spy, whom I will refer to as Tory, that the Hessians plan on doing nothing but participate in drink and merriment over the holiday. Meaning... Meaning they won't see us coming. Precisely, General. It is my suggestion that we begin to make our way across the Delaware on Christmas night and attack the next morning while the Hessians slumber. By the time we reach Trenton, the Hessian soldiers will either be too pissed drunk to fight or in bed sleeping off Christmas dinner. This is insanity! You're suggesting we take our underfed and underclothed troops across a freezing river in the dead of night? No, Mr. Knox, I'm ordering it. Mr. Stard is correct. This is the only way we will be able to take them. Our men may not be at their best, but the Hessians will be worse by the time we reach them. Mr. Hamilton? Sir? Send word to Sullivan and Green. We cross the river on the eve of the 25th and attack Trenton at 8 a.m. Is there a code word for the attack? This is your idea, Mr. Stard. Do you have a code? Indeed I do. Tell them victory or death. Very good. Words we shall continue to live by, gentlemen. Make haste, Mr. Hamilton. And let us bring some holiday cheer to our Hessian friends. Ha <laughs> ha, that was a pretty solid one-liner. Didn't know Washington had it in him. 
Oh, he was full of them, and most were words to always live by, most notably the phrase, I cannot tell a lie. As for me, I only live by my very important words and would gladly lie to each and every one of you if it meant a few more dollars in my pocket. That said, I am proud to support whatever brand is advertised in this show. Missile defense systems, therapy apps, sex toys, frozen pizza, all is fair in the eyes of capitalism. That said, we'll be right back after these messages. It's America, the podcast! This episode of America the Podcast is brought to you by The Fight for Democracy. The Fight for Democracy, telling authoritarians to fuck around and find out for over 2,000 years. back with my very important tale of the very important idea I had. That idea being to transport boatloads of malnourished soldiers dressed in rags across a near-frozen river on Christmas night in order to fight thousands of drunk Germans on Boxing Day. Uh, let's see. Where was I in the story? Why do I have to remind you all of the time? We were doing all of the things you just said. Ah, yes. Well then, I'll take us there now. There we are. All right. As we made our way across the river, a mixture of freezing rain and hail began to fall. Some men huddled together to remain warm while others rode us across the Delaware. Fuck, dude. It's so cold. Can't you make it to where we can't feel this? No can do, buckaroo. It's a side effect of my powers resetting after you disappeared. It seems that you now get to fully experience all of these sensory wonders in my very important stories without being seen or you know, mortally wounded. So you won't freeze to death. Just huddle under General Washington's coat while I continue. Okay. Uh, oh God, it smells under here. Well, we were at war and none of us had bathed in quite some time. If we did, we would just freeze to death. Luckily, everyone stank. American, British, Hessian, definitely the French. All of us fighting for or against our magnificent revolution smelled as if we had just rolled in pig shit. Aren't you cold? Ah, I'm from Boston. I can survive any cold climate, mostly because of my perpetually high blood alcohol level. I think booze making you warm is a myth. Do you know what else is a myth? What? Me caring about what you think. Uh, rude? Well then, let me tell the story or you'll be stuck on this cold boat under a slave owner's coat for another hour. Fine. As I was saying, we rode for quite some time before making it to shore. Oh, thank God. Oh, still cold, but not as bad. See, if you had just let me make it to the next sentence, you would have barely felt the cold from the river. Let this be a lesson to you, the interrupty interruptstein. Did you just try and, like, word name me using interrupt? Yes, and you're interrupting again. And you made me Jewish? What? Is there something wrong with that? Because I had to deal with way too many anti-Semites while you were in the void of time. What? No, it was just a poorly constructed name. Also, definitely want to hear about who and what you had to deal with later. Two words. Sovereign citizen. Oof, I got it. Say no more. Oh, I will say plenty as loudly and as longly as I want. Longly? Ugh, you know what? We're going to commercial again for that remark. All right, America, when we come back, 
hopefully will make it through the impending Battle of Trenton with minimal interruption. Do you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I always hear you. It's fucking impossible not to. Very good. We'll be right back. It's America, the podcast. And we're back here on America, the podcast presents the American Revolution. All right, we're about to head back to 1776. Are you warm now? Ah, uh, yes. Did you grab your coat this time? Yes. Mittens and ear moofs? Yes. Because it was 20 degrees out that morning and I don't want any more complaints or interruptions. I'm good, I'm good. Just thanks for coming back and letting me get this stuff. Yes, well, very good. As I was screeching... We had put our plan into motion and landed at what one can technically refer to as the Jersey Shore on December 26th with nearly 2,400 men and a plan to attack sleeping soldiers simultaneously at 8 a.m. As we arrived, we saw a guard station just ahead of us. General Washington ordered Alexander Hamilton and myself to clear the guards and prevent them from blowing our cover. Bayonets only, Alex. Do not discharge your weapon. All right, on me. Three, two, one. Clear. Clear. Jesus, did you and Hamilton just kill those guys? Well, yes. What did you think I meant by clear the guards? Have you not seen an action movie? I mean, yeah, but seeing it like this... I don't know. I just... You just compartmentalize the horrors of humanity precisely like every other American. I get it. If it wasn't for compartmentalization, I might not have the unshakable demeanor and outlook on life I have today. That was... bleak. Not as bleak as this Boxing Day is going to be for the Hessians in a few minutes. Huh? <laughs> Jesus. Ugh, all right. Let's hear it. Very well. After me and Alex, let's say, lightly murdered two Germans in a guard shack. Lightly murdered? You stabbed one of them through the mouth! And considering the Hessian soldiers were mostly sleeping or still drunk from the night before... Which, by the way, I heard them being drunk was bullshit. Who told you that? Uh, John Greenwood said so in some document, I think. Greenwood? That guy's an idiot. I can assure you the Hessians were drunk as skunks who found their way into my personal liquor cabinet which was a real thing that happened. Three skunks got into my liquor cabinet, drank a couple of bottles of 20-year-old scotch, and, well, died, much like the Hessians are about to do. You see, before Honeyman went back to the Hessians, I gave him a few jugs of booze that had a high alcohol level, my own personal concoction. A couple hundred years later, it would be classified as gasoline. Anyways, I ordered him to get the poison, I mean alcohol, into as many Hessian mouths as possible. When I met up with Honeyman a few days after the battle, he assured me he spiked the drinks of several dozen men. So who are you going to trust? A high-ranking revolution officer who was there, or some idiot whom I personally hate? Right. Uh, you, I guess. Exactly. All right. Since the Hessians were still drunk and asleep, which is the story we will be sticking to, our troops were able to sneak up to the town of Trenton unnoticed. Washington had the idea of a three-point assault to take out the enemy forces, an idea he kept from all of the men until we reached the Jersey Shore itself. So all of these dudes went in blindly, solely trusting a losing general? Indeed they did. 
But Washington wasn't just a losing general who regularly retreated from battle in order to preserve the lives of his men. He also frequently fought the enemy by charging into the front lines of battle like a madman. He was also an incredibly inspiring speaker. He had a way of making you feel like you were truly able to achieve greatness. At least, that's what I was told. I have always been great, so I don't really need to be inspired to achieve such things. You really are the embodiment of America, aren't you? You know it and best never forget it. As I was saying, the attack consisted of General James Ewing positioning his men to prevent the Hessians from escaping the city, Colonel John Cadwallader's militia were positioned to prevent Hessian reinforcements, while Washington, myself, and the rest of the soldiers would attack the Hessian forces head-on. All right, men. Steady now. What is the time, Mr. Stard? 7.59, sir. One minute until the scheduled attack. Do my generals have their watches synced to ours? Yes, sir. I made sure of it. Very good. Mr. Hamilton, repair the artillery. Sir. Ready the cannons! On my order, gentlemen. Fire the cannons. Fire! As soon as Washington gave the order, we began to march. All at once, the chaos began to ensue. Cannons began firing into buildings and homes that we knew contained sleeping Hessian soldiers. The soldiers not killed in those blasts began to scramble into the streets, and then the fun began. What do you mean, fun? Oh, I mean the thousands of cold, hungry men frustrated at repeated battle loss who began to slaughter the Hessian mercenaries, who themselves were only fighting for the Redcoats because the British occupied what is now present-day Germany and, well, forced the Hessians to fight for them. So the Hessians were basically indentured soldiers for the British? Indeed. Jesus, and this was fun for you? Eh, it was at the time. Of course, we wouldn't know until later that the Hessians were just as oppressed by the British as we were. War is messy, and this one was a pile of dirty diapers. Smelled like one, too. Ew, gross. Oh, yes. As I was saying, the battle ensued, and our men took down Hessian after Hessian. Yes, our army killed at least 400 men that day. I killed 15 myself. Dude, I thought you said no one would get killed in this episode, and you've already killed that guard earlier on top of the, ugh, 15 you're about to kill? Or are currently killing, I think? No, what I actually said was that no one of importance would die. See? It's right here in the script. I even underlined it. Oh, well, all right then. Still, this is terrifying. Did you say there are multiple future presidents here? Ah, indeed. The Jameses are here. See? There's James Madison decapitating a Hessian corporal. Ah! Oh, and there goes James Monroe using hand muskets to blow the brains out of two soldiers attempting to attack him from the sides. Ah! Very Jason Bourne of him. Good guy, Jason Bourne. Quiet and a bit OCD, but pretty nice all around. Ah! Oh, the shot Monroe in the shoulder. He'll be fine. Ah! Ah, would you look at that? Hamilton just blew a hole in a guy's chest with a cannon. What a scamp. Jesus, where are you? Uh, let's see. Ah, I'm right over there. Holy shit, are you? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, eat it, you Hessian fuck! <laughs> oh yes, I am indeed ripping the heart out of that soldier and feeding it to him. Like I said, war was messy. Wow, Jesus Christ, just 
Wow. How much longer did this go on? Uh, a few more hours, if memory serves. As I mentioned earlier, we ended up killing 400 Hessians, but capturing 900. Did any Americans die? Well, look at you only worrying about Americans. I knew I'd rub off on you eventually. That's not what I... Just answer the question. Fine. No, they did not. Well, actually, two people died crossing the Delaware, but not in the battle itself. Five men were injured, and, oh, Monroe almost died from that hit to the shoulder he took. Right on. Uh, so obviously, being immortal, you made it out unscathed, I take it? Not at all. I can still injure myself, but I heal very quickly. Much like the Wolverine, except I'm better because I'm an American and not Canadian. Right, so what happened? Oh, I stubbed my toe real bad while I was feeding that guy his own heart. Broke my toenail, had to file it down, it was a whole thing. I still feel like I'm owed a purple heart, but the US military still won't budge after 245 years. They said I still need to get shot somehow. Anyways, by the end of our attack, the Hessian commander, General Rawl, had been injured and finally surrendered to General Washington. The town had also been turned to shit thanks to our volley of cannon fire, but that was someone else's problem and General Washington wasn't done. We would go on to Princeton and have a second battle in Trenton later on. Needless to say, our men had a renewed sense of fight in them. Are we going to hear about those battles? Eh, you're better off with as few battle stories as possible, especially when I'm fighting in said battles. Let's just say my fighting style makes the Crusades look like a French tea party. Uh-huh, okay, uh, so what did you do in Princeton and Trenton Part 2? I mean, what didn't I do? I wore a guy's head as a hat while I killed his commander, used my saber to stab a guy in the penis, of course. Um, oh, I also took a cannonball and shoved it up That's a... enough. I'm over it. I'm over it. Well, you better get used to it, as we have four more stories to get through in this last half of season five. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, well, now that Washington had started a winning streak, uh, what was next? Well, America had its mojo back, but little did we know we were about to have that mojo turned up a level and meet a man who loved the idea of America and the concept of liberty as much as I did. If I weren't so, uh, so what, what, what was the word you called me? Arrogant. Yes, that. If I weren't so arrogant, I would say he loved it even more than I did. So, who was this mystery patriot? He was a man with whom I would become good friends, and that General Washington would view as the son he never had. Yeah, but what was his name? A man who fought bravely at our final revolutionary battle. A man who- Fab! What? What's his name, dude? Oh, why, it's none other than the Marquis de Lafayette! 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 Give me some of that! Jesus! Ugh. He has a theme, too? Indeed, but I like it more than Tom's, and we will hear that theme and more on the next episode of my very important show, America the Podcast! Where, where the hell's the music? Oh, sorry, I'm still getting back into the swing of things. Here we go? Yes, well, let's keep those mistakes to a minimum. You don't want to end up in an Illuminati alligator pit like Jonathan, do you? Wait, what? I thought he went to NPR. Uh, he did go to NPR. I was just joking, just now. I did not actually feed Jonathan to alligators after he made me slightly angry during the Search for Tim transmissions. The way you say that makes me think you did. That is an interesting point you have, Timothy. Wink. Did you just say wink while using your fingers to wink your own eye? <laughs> Wait, can you not wink? I, uh... All right, America, thanks for listening, and remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Shway Media, Spotify if you like supporting Joe Rogan and Missile Defense Systems, or your favorite podcast app. 
And be sure to leave a five-star review on one of those apps while you're at it. And don't forget to follow at America the Podcast on TikTok and Instagram so that you catch every single segment of Previously on America. Did you know this? And America's Word of the Day. They're all under 30 seconds because a lot of you seem to have the attention spans of meerkats. And if you don't like the videos, well, then you better start liking them lest you be fed to the Illuminati brand alligators. I'll be in your ears again next week, America. Good night and good fight. It's America, the podcast. America the Podcast is produced and distributed by Shway Media and is part of the Shway Media Podcast Network. The show was created by Tim Philippi and is hosted by me, Abadias A. Starred, a.k.a. the Bastard, a.k.a. the embodiment of an only hope for America. The show was written by Tim Philippi, Alana Matos, Andrew K. Turner, and of course, me, Abadias Starred. The show is recorded in Shway Media Studios and is mixed and edited by Tim Philippi. Due to issues with recording audio in the space-time continuum or something dumb like that, voices in this episode were provided by Thebadias Stard, Tim Philippi, and Alana Matos. Producers for America, the podcast, are Tim Philippi and Alana Matos. The show's theme song is by Timmy Two-Step, and all other music and sound effects heard in this show were procured through Storyblocks, Freesound.org, Accusonus, and Sonus. There's lots of Sonuses out there. The show is available on all podcast apps and YouTube. While reviews on any and all podcast apps are greatly appreciated, I humbly request that you leave a five-star review in iTunes so that we may finally overtake the political podcast dynasty known as Pod Save America. I mean, they're not even funny. We're funny. We know funny. Wait, do we know funny? We don't. Okay, well, let's overtake them anyways, America. For America! For daily video messages such as Previously on America and America's Word of the Day, follow the show on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at America the Podcast. And don't forget to check out all of the other spectacular Shway Media shows on the Shway Media Podcast Network at shwaymedia.com. Did I say your name enough, you podcast overlords? All right, go on now. You hear? This has been a production of Shway Media, all rights reserved. For more information, please visit shwaymedia.com. Thank you.